I remember back in 1994 when I saw that movie. Did you know that movie comes from 1994, The Lion King? Raise your hand if you have not seen The Lion King. Raise your hand if you haven't seen it. Okay, like three of you. Okay, get out. Get, no, I'm just kidding. I'm teasing. Don't get out. Uh, we love you. Uh, but it, in this movie, this movie, uh, it, there's Simba, and Simba is the prince. And this prince, uh, he's going to be king one day, right? And, and so he just can't wait to be king, right? And so he's so excited about it, but his uncle Scar is very jealous that he doesn't get to be king. And somewhere along the way, Simba's father, Mufasa, dies. And Simba believes this lie. There's a lie that's told to him about who he is, and he believes it. And so he runs away. Scar takes over Pride Rock. His family is in shambles. And he's devastated. And so he goes and he finds a warthog and a, what is Timon? I don't even know what he is. A meerkat or something like that? Uh, and, and all of this craziness happens. And it's not just because of Scar's evil, but because Simba didn't know how to answer. The most important question that we answer on this side of heaven, and it's the question I want to invite you to think about tonight. Who do you think you are? Who, who do you think that you are? Because what you think about who you are is going to change what you think about what you can do. What you think about who you are is going to change how you relate to other people. What you think about who you are, it's going to change whether or not you can relate with any sort of tenacity to the challenges of life. And the truth is, there's so many different voices, there's so many different things that are speaking into, oh, you're this, you're this, you're only this, you're only that. All of us have who we are challenged in so many different ways. Simba sure did. Of course, until he runs into the baboon Rafiki. And Rafiki, he says, look harder. I love the way he says that, look harder. Sometimes I, in this scene, I really relate to Rafiki because I get to be the old, the old baboon, okay? And you guys are Simba. And I can say, look harder at God, okay? So that's what I'm saying tonight, look harder. All right, turn to your neighbor and say, look harder, like Rafiki. Yeah. Who do you think you are? Maybe it's time to look harder. Maybe it's time to look harder at who you are and who... Your maker says that you are. So he, he runs into Rafiki, and Rafiki says, I know Mufasa, follow, follow me. And so Mufasa, his father, appears to Simba. And honestly, it's not totally unlike what we read in, in Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, Jesus is baptized in his heavenly father opens the heavens to tell him, to tell his son, Jesus Christ, who he is. Not because G Simba had forgotten. That's what we do. We forget who we are. Sometimes we mistake who we are. Sometimes we just want to ignore who we are. Jesus hadn't forgotten or mistook. He certainly wasn't ignoring. But before Jesus did anything 
that could be considered valuable from a worldly perspective. Before he did any ministry, before he healed anyone, before he preached any sermons, before he died on the cross, before he rose from the grave, God didn't say, once you do that, you're something to me. He, looked, he opened the heavens, and he, he looked at his son, and he said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Man, how many of you would do anything to hear that from your dad? Like that, man, that'd be amazing, right? Like if, if your dad actually would say something like that because the people that speak to us, wow, it really informs who we think we are. And, and that's what happened for Jesus. And it was right after that that Jesus went into the desert to be tempted and then start his ministry. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. Here's why it matters to you and to me, though. Do you want to know why there's all those things in life that you're like, I wish... I wish I could actually just follow through on that, but I don't. Or do you want to know why there's people in this world that that whenever you push up against what they believe just a little bit, they are so reactive? Or that there's people in this world that that they make friends with the wrong people, or they date the wrong people again and again, and and you, you might look on, or you might look in the mirror and say, Why? Why, why, how did, how is this happening? Have you ever looked in the mirror and said, you know, I don't know if I like who I'm becoming. There's a reason for that. I want to help you understand what that reason is. Because when you understand it, it's going to help you to live a life, not like Simba lost with Timon and Pumbaa, but helping you to step into your purpose, helping you to become everything that you were meant to be so that you will never stand before God and he will say, you're more than what you've become. But instead, you would stand before God and he would say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Who do you think you are? So I want you to write this down. This is a cycle that I I want you to understand. Everyone say identity. Identity. Say it like you mean it, identity. Identity. So identity is what you, what you believe about who you are. No one else gets to decide that for you. You get to decide what you believe about who you are. Here's the thing. There's lots of things that are trying to help you decide who you are. Because if they can get you to think that you're this or you're that, they can get money. Or they can get votes. Or they can get influence, or they can get likes, or they can understand their base, or they can, there's all sorts of reasons why people want to tell you that you are something. Your ethnicity tells you that you're something. Your culture tells you that you should be something. Your friend group tells you that you should be something. There's all of these voices that are speaking into who you are, and at the end of the day, you decide, what do I actually believe about me? Who do you think that you are? That's your identity. And here's the thing, your identity, that's, that's who you are, and who you are then, it influences your character. Now, your character is different than your identity. Your character is what you actually do on a regular basis. Your character is, isn't just like, wow, he's a good person, or she's really mean. That's a description of someone's character if they do good things regularly, or if they do mean things regularly. And here's the thing, if you are 
If you believe that you are a bad Christian, let's just pretend. If you believe that, that no one loves you, or if you believe that, that the only way that you're going to get the attention of someone of the opposite sex is if you do what they do, or if you believe that the only way that you're going to be valuable is to do what they do, if you believe these things about you, you're very likely to do them, right? If you think I'm unlovable, you're very likely to do things that are outside of who you are to become lovable. This isn't just girls. It's a little bit sexist, but it's, it's things that, that our culture tends to think. It's like, oh, it's just girls doing that. No, guys do that all the time, too. It's a human thing. And our identity, what we believe about who we are, it informs our character. And so, you know, Batman said, uh, you know, I am what I do. He's only half right, okay? I misquoted Batman, sorry, but I'd rather quote Jesus right and get Batman wrong, okay? Uh, and so, so anyway, the character, what you do regularly, it like is this internal reinforcement for what you believe about yourself. So, well, I'm not the kind of person that, you know, goes to a party and smokes pot. And then all of a sudden you do, well, it's just once. And then you do it enough times, you're like, well, now they're calling me not somebody who smoked pot. Now I'm a stoner. Do you see the difference between character and identity? And you can do this with all sorts of things in your life, right? Your identity, it informs your character. Who you believe that you are, it informs what you do in your life. And what you do in your life, it informs who you believe that you are. And this can spin around and around in a very good direction or a very bad direction. And when you look at a cycle like this, it can start to make sense. Why would someone join a gang? Why would someone act out violently? Why, why would someone do the same thing again and again? Why would someone abuse? Why would someone do the evils that we see? It's because our identity, what we believe about who we are, it's informing our character, what we do, which informs our identity, and sometimes that spins out of control in a really bad way. You know what most of us do? Most of us, we believe who we are is our feelings. But our feelings are actually a result of what you believe about who you are and your body interpreting that internally. Imagine you're walking through the woods. A stick snaps behind you. First thought in your mind, it's a bear, right? That's my first thought. Some of you are like, no, it's a person that's going to murder me. <laughs> I thought it was a bear that would maul me. That's my first thought in my mind. It's a bear. So what do you do? God gave you this important emotion called anxiety. Some of you, anxiety is just your devil. 
But God gave you an important emotion called anxiety so that you could run a little bit faster and a little more focused when there's a bear chasing you or a crazy murderer in the woods, okay? Of course, then, then, of course, if you turn around, you're like, oh, oh, in truth, it was a squirrel. We're all good. Or a bunny. Or a bunny. Or deer. Like a cute little fawn, all right? But we think... Okay, who I am is not enough to deal with that bear, and so I better run. And the emotion, it helps us to do what we're supposed to do. You are not your fear. You are not your anxiety. You are not whatever that you feel about yourself. You are truly something. The question is, what is it? Who do you think you are? I want to tell you two things, according to Scripture, that, and the example of Jesus Christ, that's going to help you to live into your God-given purpose in life. And when you hear these things, and when, when you write them down, here's what's, what's going to happen for a lot of you that, that you're, like, engaged with this, is that you're going to be like, oh, I don't do that, and that's why it's just never clicked for me. That's why it clicks for others and it doesn't click for... I, I really think that there's going to be somebody that's like, oh, I had never seen it like that before. And so I want to help explain this. So here, here's the first thing. If you want to live into the purpose that God has for you, here's the first thing that you need to do. You need to pick the voice. You need to pick the... There's lots of voices. You have to pick the one that you will trust the most to tell you who you are. Now, if you follow Jesus, it's God, right? That's what it's supposed to be. But in practice, a lot of times, it's really our family, or really our culture, or really uh, uh, our friend group, or our frenemies, right? What they're saying about us. And that can lead to all sorts of false identities, like I am what I have, or I am what they think of me, or, or I, I, I am fill in the blank on some arbitrary thing that isn't going to last. Or maybe it leads to all of these secondary identities, which are actually good. Things like your ethnicity, things like your, your gender and sexuality, things like, uh, like your socioeconomic status, things like, uh, I'm an American. But you know what? I don't wish this upon America at all. I think there's so many great things about America. But if somehow we got taken over by, I don't know who, I'm not going to name a country, like, they're the evil ones taking us over by aliens. Okay, say we got taken over by aliens. Some of you are like, does the pastor believe in aliens? <laughs> if that happened and we weren't America anymore, I would be really sad. But it wouldn't shake me to my core because being an American is not the core of who I am. It's a part of my story. Just like all of our gender and sexuality... Just like all of our ethnicity and culture, just like all of our relationships, they're a part of our story, but they're not core to who we are. And the reason why so many people are empty is because they operate without that core. Maybe that's you. And so we have all these things that are speaking into, this is who you are, this is who you are. For Simba, Scar, he, when Mufasa died, Scar said, oh, Simba, what will your mother think? It's your fault, Simba. After Jesus, after he was told that he was the beloved son of God, he didn't have scar, he had Satan. 
In the original language of the Bible, the word Satan, it means accuser. It's, someone that, it's like, a, it's like a, 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 an evil attorney that is prosecuting you and twisting your words and twisting the situation so that you will be guilty. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Satan uh, in the weeks coming up because I think that there's a bit more to this character in the Bible than a lot of people think. And let's just be honest, there's a lot of evil and darkness in our world anyway. But for Jesus, Satan comes along and, and he's, he's tempting Jesus. He's testing him. And basically, it, there's three temptations and they all go the same way. Satan is saying, saying hey, if you're the son of God, like, I mean, you know how God said that? If that's who you really are, then why don't you fill in the blank? And every time Jesus has almost the exact same answer, the scriptures say, God's word says, and then he went back to who he was, the voice that he trusted, the voice that formed his identity that allowed him to endure the cross for you and for me. Let's look at just a couple of these temptations. Oh, by the way, here's Jesus going one-on-one with Satan. I don't think Jesus had blue eyes, and I don't know if he played basketball. But, I mean, I found that on the internet. I'm like, that's going in the PowerPoint. Like, that's got to be in there. So, okay. So let's look at the, here's the attempt. Have you ever felt this? Have you ever felt like, not like Satan showed up looking like a little red guy with horns, okay? But have you ever just felt this thought kind of creep in where you're forced into this situation? You're like, ah, why don't I just ignore God a little bit? Because what I really need right now is to get my homework done. Why don't I ignore God a little bit because what I really need right now is what that significant other can give me. What I really need right now is to get that place on the team, that place in the band, that place in the choir. And so we give this attention and we take it. I mean, Jesus, he was giving all of his attention to God. He was fasting in the desert for 40 days. Imagine eating like a saltine cracker for 40 days in the middle of the desert not a happy, I would be so hangry, all right? Satan would just come over to me and be like, why don't you just like make this stone into some bread? And I'd be like, how about Sour Patch Kids? And then I'd like eat all the Sour Patch Kids, okay? Like that's, that's what I would do if I was Jesus. I love Sour Patch Kids, don't judge me, okay? I saw that, those judgy eyes, all right? We face this all the time in so many different ways. Why don't you just ignore God right now? He's probably not gonna give you what you need anyway. You're not like going to die soon. Maybe you can think about God when you're older. I don't think those gang members have many more days to think about God. Do they? I don't think the, the teenagers that I've buried in the last few years have any more time to think about all the worries of life. We don't have, I mean, let me say it a different way. Name one thing more worthy of your attention. One, I dare you to name one thing more worthy of your attention than your creator who loves you, sent his son to die for you, and he rose from the dead so that you could have the gift of eternal life. 
He's putting this world back together. He's putting your world back together. And, and Satan comes along and says, oh, look at all the things in the world, and I bet you could get what you really need. I mean, you have the power. You have the time. You have the space. Just go get what you need. Jesus says, that's not who I am. The scriptures say, God's word says, I don't live off of those things. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so, strike one, Satan. Satan goes to temptation number two. This is what he says. He says, I know what God said in the Bible. Did you know Satan knows the Bible? He knows it better than you. Probably better than me, too. I know what God said. So why don't you make him prove it to us all? He takes him to the top of the temple. He's like, jump off. The angels will catch you. And Jesus says, no, no, no. The scriptures say that when God says it, it is. And so I don't have to test it as if it's not. The scriptures say, do not test the Lord your God. Because his word is good. Instead, lean on his promises. Instead of manipulating him as if he doesn't love you. Instead of demanding proof that, especially the proof that he's already given of his love and devotion and faithfulness on the cross. Strike two, Satan. Third temptation. He says, well, you know, Jesus, there's that cross that you're going to go to. And, um, and I know it's so that you can bring the kingdom of heaven into this world. But I, I have a better way than God's way. Have you ever felt that temptation? Is God's way really the way that I want? my life if you're like no I've never felt that way you're a liar all right like are you human are you really like this is all of us we all experience temptations like this and every single time every single time we want to go for the thing that has less sacrifice we want to go for the thing that's that's just a little easier and that's actually like that's okay to want that unless of course unless of course well it means that you're going to miss your purpose in life. You know who God says you are? Two things. I want you to write these down too. One is that you're made in the image of God. You are made in the image of God. You know what that means, being made in the image of God? It means that whether you believe in God or not, you are infinitely valuable. You are worthy of dignity. Whether you follow God or you do not follow God, you're worthy of dignity. Now, there's a difference between people that are made in the image of God and the next thing, which is you are God's beloved child. Here's the difference. Here's what, it's, this is what it says in, in John chapter 1. But to all who, say it with me, one, two, three, to all who believe. believed, say it like you mean it, all who believe. believed in him and accepted him, that being, that's being Jesus, all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave the right. So that means that you, when you believe and accept Jesus Christ, you become an heir to the kingdom of heaven. That means that eternal life is yours and no one can take it away from you. That means that all of your sins are forgiven. And that means you will remember who you are. And you will be who you're meant to be. And you'll live the life that you were made to live. Not because you're perfect, but because his grace is perfect. Everyone deserves dignity. 
the children of God get eternity too. So the first thing that we do, if you want to become the you that you're made to be, the first thing that we do, what was it? Someone say it. What was the first one? You got to pick the voice. You got to pick the voice. And and I just encourage you, pick God's voice. Because he says that you deserve dignity. And I have the gift of eternity for you, my beloved child. With you, I am well pleased. You know God's pleased with who you are? He doesn't just love you. He likes you. Here's number two. Remember, your character, what you do regularly, that's influencing who you believe that you are. So number two is I want you to make the choice that the kind of person that you're becoming chooses regularly. Some of you, you're like, I don't know if I, let's just use an example, okay? I was about to like really get in your business and I feel like I've already been in everybody's business a little bit tonight. So let me just use an example. Say that you wanted to become a very passionate follower of Jesus. If you wanted to become a very passionate follower, maybe, maybe like on, on a scale of 1 to 10, and 10 is like your faith, like, is, I'm just on fire, okay? My faith is just like going crazy, all right? If that's happening for you, wonderful. But a lot of us, it's not always like that. And maybe for you, you're not even sure what you believe. But just, let's just say that who you wanted to become was someone who lived their life with purpose, who walked out their life with complete confidence, which comes from the Latin with faith, con fide, with faith. Walked out with confidence, and you faced the day, you faced your life, and you faced it full. That you know God, that you experience Him. If you wanted to be that kind of person, all you got to do is one, believe that you are, and two, start doing what that kind of person would do. And the more that you do that, in other words, the more that you follow Jesus like his disciples, the more that you try to emulate him and be like Jesus wherever it is that you're living in your life, if Jesus was in your shoes, what would he do? I mean, that's what it is to make the choice that the kind of person that you're becoming chooses regularly. Make it a habit. Here's a few questions, and I want you to write these down, and maybe you can talk about them in your groups here in, a, in just a couple minute, minutes, but what kind of person do I want to become? And you could write down, I want to become a passionate follower of Jesus who knows their purpose, and et cetera, et cetera. Okay, here's a question. What does that kind of person do regularly? I don't know, go to church. Well, do you, 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 you're here, you go to church, okay? What else do they do? Uh, I don't know, read, read the Bible. Do you read the Bible? Uh, occasionally. Is occasionally like on the passion scale for you? Uh, no. What do they do regularly? And you can do this with anything in life. What kind of person do you want to become? What do they do regularly? Do those things. Here's another one. What am I doing that they don't do? What am I doing that I need to cut out so that I can become who I'm made to be, so that I can remember who I really am, whose I really am? 
Because when you see you like God sees you, you're going to be really glad that you're you. And when you do the things that God made you to do, you're going to feel more like you, the real you, than you've ever felt in your life. And you will remember who you are. You see, Jesus, he did this. It was on the night in which he was betrayed that our Lord Jesus, he took bread. And he gave it to his disciples after breaking it. And he said, this is my body. It's broken for you. He gave it to his disciples to eat. He said, this is for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in the remembrance of me, he said. And after the supper, he took the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant, the new deal. It's in my blood. It's poured out for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I want to invite our communion servers to come forward. We're going to have a little bit of a fuzzy ending tonight. What's going to happen is as they come forward, I, I want to give you just a couple instructions. But you'll just come down when you're ready. Some of you will take a moment. Some of you, you're just like ready. And, and you're just going to come down the, the rows where, when you're ready. And you're going to receive the bread and dip it into the grape juice. And if you need allergy-free, we have, have that available as well. But as you do that, I want you to receive this not as a, a ritual. But I want you to remember who Jesus is to you. I want you to remember that God put on flesh for you. I want you to remember that he died on a cross for you. I want you to remember that the God who created the stars is more interested than you, than all of the beauty that is out there in outer space. I want you to know that he knows how many hairs are on your head. I want you to remember that you are so valuable, that you mean so much to God, that he would die for you. And the good news is, he rose for you too. Remember who you are. When you do, you'll become who you're meant to be. So let's pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Um, and as the band comes down to sing, the, there's some ushers that will dismiss you, or when you're ready, you can come down. And then after you receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ with faith, I encourage you, go to your small groups and talk about who is it that God has made you to be.